Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. I'm Phoebe. I'm Elsa. I'm Lauren. And I'm Joelle. We started an Asian Boss Girl with the intention to share the perspectives of the Asian and Asian American female experience. Obviously, with the three of us based in the U.S., a lot of our stories come from the context of us being American and growing up with influences from American culture. However, we know that the Asian female experience is way beyond just the Asian American experience, which we see reflected amongst our listeners. Today, we wanted to spend some time exploring and learning about a different Asian female experience. We want to hear about the British Asian female experience. We also know that the Asian podcast space has grown so vibrantly throughout the years, and we wanted to welcome another Asian female podcast onto ABG. So today, join us as we welcome Phoebe, Elsa, Lauren, and Joelle from Spill the Cha. Welcome, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. Now, I said we are so excited. Obviously, we've seen you guys through, like, you know, the Instagram world and, like, have connected through there. But we are so excited to bring you guys on the mic and to share your experiences with our listeners. Do you each mind, you know, introducing yourself to our listeners? Let's start with, like, you know, your name, your age, and, you know, what do you do for a living besides the podcast? So, my name is Phoebe. I'm 22. And I'm doing sales and e-commerce analysis, which I just started like six months ago. So we just graduated uni, well, Joel and I. And then, yeah, we're working now. Well, yeah. Can you speak for yourself, mate? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm Elsa and I'm also 22 and I'm a master's student. So I'm doing um, a master's in business analysis and strategic management. That sounds legit. Sounds fancy. I know. (laughs) Hi everyone, Uh, I'm Lauren. I am 21 going on 22, so I'm the baby of the group. Um, I am currently actually on, so I'm finishing off my undergraduate degree and I'm actually in California at the moment. I am in Santa Barbara, I'm at UC Santa Barbara, go Gauchos. Um, (laughs) I love, sorry, random, I love school spirit here, I think it's brilliant. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm Joelle, I'm also 22, and I graduated from the uni of Bath last year, doing sociology, and now I'm product designer at Eventech. Wow. Product design. Yes. (laughs) Wait, I don't know why, I just realized through your guys' intro that, like, when Lauren's like, I'm the baby, I'm 21, I was like, I'm the baby, and I was like, I'm 31. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) No, it's amazing to get also the, the 
point of view of um, Asian women in their 20s because I think obviously we started the podcast when Mel was in her 20s and then I was in my early 30s. So now we've evolved to kind of offer the perspective of the 30-year-old 30, 30 age range. So mm-hmm. I love to get this um, perspective from you all that you're literally just like almost fresh out of school. So mm-hmm. this literally, is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you all meet? Did you all meet in university or how did you all meet and what inspired the four of you to start this podcast? So I can start us off. So Joelle and I have known each other since we were born. So our parents knew each oh. other. So we go way back. And um, the four of us kind of came together when we were maybe 12, 13 and we met through church wow. and we kind of just hit it off and we became really, really good friends. Um, and then we kind of started the podcast because of AVG. So we were talking about podcasting and we were like, listen, so I can't remember who it was, but they were like, listen, there's this, there's this podcast called Asian Boss Girl and it's so good. You have to listen to it. So we all started listening and we were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing because we got to hear about your experiences as Asian Americans. And then we started thinking, we're like, hey, there's not a British version of this. Mm -hmm. And in kind of podcasting space, like none of us really knew that much about podcasting, but even in media in general, like we'd all Mm -hmm. heard about like Wong Fu Pro and stuff. Like it's very, it still seems very niche, Mm -hmm. but we thought, okay, let's try and start kind of a community in the UK. And hopefully in the same way that you have kind of built this community, we were like, okay, let's try and do this where we Mm. live. And we were so excited. Like when we started, we started in 2020. It was during the pandemic. Mm. We actually talked about starting it um, the summer of 2018. Um, So we were on our first ever girls holiday and we were sitting in a balcony um, in Portugal. And we were like, you know what? I think our conversations could actually be you know, worthy of a podcast episode. And then that's kind of where the idea started. Wow. The idea started 2018. What, um, how did you all, did you do the same thing that we did, which is just get on and online and purchase mics and then start it? Like, you know, what was the process like of getting your first episode? Funnily enough, we didn't actually start with mics. We started like with our phone audio Mm. and we'd be like three, two, one, press record on like the audio (laughs) app. So like, if you listen to the first, like, maybe season or mm. first couple of episodes, the audio is, like, not very good. But it was, like, good enough. Um, so that's kind of how we started. And then a few episodes in or season in, then we're like, okay, we should maybe buy some mics. <laughs> um, invest into this, you know. So that's kind of how we started out. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Wow, Jane and I said the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, thank you so much. I, I know this is like very like flattering that you guys heard us and wanted to start your own. I just find it really interesting because um, I think because when we started, like I only got into podcasts because like I worked corporate and like a lot of people my age around that time was like 20, 26, like our late 20s to 30s that people listen to podcasts. I didn't know people your age actually listened to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like find it cool and fascinating that you guys chose podcasts versus like another type of medium to like capture your stories. Would you say podcast is also very like popular amongst your age group yes i think it's also less intimidating because mm. it's only your voice i mean it was also very intimidating like oh we sound disgusting <laughs> yeah you have to cut out all the ums and ahs and all the pauses so it's less intimidating because you don't have to look you know in mm. quotes good um oh i feel you yeah. <laughs> i was just gonna say that that was definitely our biggest motivation being able to record in our pajamas, we were like, okay, we could we could do YouTube. We were like, eh. mm. <laughs> you know, it's much more comfortable doing it from bed sometimes. So mm. 
that was why we decided to do podcasting and amongst other reasons but <laughs> okay I know I feel you like literally I the fact that I don't have to put on makeup for podcasts and just be like in my I'm in sweatpants right now it's like the perfect reason too so thank you guys for sharing with us how you guys got started. So I kind of want to like segue us into talking about like kind of the different, I guess, like perspectives of being an American, being in British. So I feel like in the yes, we talk a lot about, you know, the American dream, which, you know, inspired a lot of our families to immigrate to America. You know, for you all, like what brought your family to the UK? My parents were from Malaysia. They were born in Malaysia and then they moved here to study at university in their 20s. Then they had me and we're here. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. My mum's from Hong Kong, my dad's from Singapore. Um, they both came over for uni, they met, got married, had me, had my brother. So, yeah, here we mm. are. And for me, my parents came just before I was born, so they immigrated from Hong Kong. Um, so there were, like, a couple family members in the UK already. So they were thought, why not mm. come over? And, yeah, that's how I'm, I'm here now. Yeah, mine's slightly different. So my grandparents, um, they came to the UK for university and um, my grandparents met and then they had my dad um, who was born in the UK and then I was born there so um, we always talk about this a lot about kind of second third generation because I know there are Mm -hmm. different ways um, of people I'm sure I mean I would technically class myself as a third generation I don't know in Mm -hmm. the US would you what would you say as someone how would you class yourselves like what kind of generation does that make sense yeah yeah for sure we're second gen i think we're se- we're second generation well, i've heard it used i've heard it used both ways because like if we're also the first to be born in the u.s mm. sometimes they they will call mm. that first generation right or is yeah. it second generation i think <laughs> i think i've heard it used both ways but it seems like your you know your experiences are very much like ours um so your parents mm-hmm. come from uh different countries within asia and then they came to the u.s except for i know um uh, Lauren, you mentioned it was your grandparents, but still, it's not very many generations mm-hmm. removed. And it does also mean that you grew up in a household where your parents have certain cultural values and certain belief systems. And then now you are being raised in a different country with different value systems mm-hmm. and different beliefs. Um, how would you describe, I guess, like maybe how you grew up um, and I guess being within the UK, were you around like vibrant Asian communities um so for example like in the u.s we have san gabriel valley over here in los angeles where it's almost like um like like a small chinatown gathering right is that is there anything like that within the uk where you ladies grew up i think speaking from i think we're we're speaking from very specific experience here we're speaking Mm -hmm. from london so that's gonna Mm. be very different from someone who grew up in like rural wales or something so Mm. that's just something i want to preface as well so i think Speaking from my own perspective, I grew up in like Wembley, so like Wembley Stadium. Wow. <laughs> um, just to give some context. Yeah. Um, and then I went to school in, you know, that kind of northwest area. So that area is very diverse. And I can say I took that for granted quite a lot until I went to uni and was like, wow, culture shock. Because I went to the uni of Bath and it's very like white there, not very diverse at mm. all. Um, so yeah, I can say looking back now, that was definitely very like blessed, <laughs> you know, went to mm-hmm. Chinese school, had a lot of Asian friends from church and just family friends and stuff. Even at school, there was a lot of, you know, people from different cultures and backgrounds. Would it be the same for Laura and Elsa and Joel too? Or is it, um, cause you guys grew up in church. So I'm assuming it's the same area, right? Um, so the church that we grew up in is the Chinese church. So I guess mm. that's kind of where we got 
um, maybe more exposure to like the Asian community, maybe compared to other Asians in the UK. Um, but yeah, I would say like what Joelle said, growing up in London is very different to maybe mm. growing up in a different city or other parts of the UK. Um, so we are very blessed that, you know, we have a Chinatown in London mm. um, and we are surrounded by that community. That's really cool. You guys um, actually mentioned something that really interests me. So you know, we're asking you, like, you know, what inspired your parents to move to the UK? I realized, correct me if I'm wrong, is that most of your family members are from, like, Malaysia, Hong Kong. And I feel like there's a lot of connection to, like, the UK there versus, like, for my family, it's from Taiwan. So, like, maybe the only, like, we didn't really have British mm. connection. So, like, America seems like the only option for them or, like, but that, that they know of. I think, no, I think you're definitely onto it. Um colonialism <laughs> that is yeah. the big the big c word right, so right. um so my family are from hong kong and um hong kong was a british colony and it still has ties now so most recently in the news um with all of the political unrest in hong mm-hmm. kong there is a large influx of people from hong kong moving to the uk because they have something called a british national overseas passport so they're called bnos and this is probably one of the biggest migration stories at the moment which is happening in our country and this is very significant um i think because as people who've grown up in the uk we're seeing a lot of people like permanently moving Mm -hmm. because of this unrest Mm. um and so i definitely agree with you like you know our families decided probably to come to the UK because of these ties, whether it was because of, you know, other family members coming earlier, mm-hmm. but there was a reason for it. Right. Um, and as you were saying, Mel, I'm sure like, I mean, here in, in California, there are lots, it's very diverse. There's lots of Taiwanese people, lots of Koreans, mm-hmm. um, lots of people from Hong Kong as well. But I think that's actually because the country's bigger as well. So you have mm-hmm. a very diverse, which I love. I think it's amazing that you have so many, I want to say like different types of Asians, but yeah. you do, you have so many people from Asia. No, thanks for sharing that. That that puts things into perspective in the context of why. Speaking of, you know, like, oh, it's like colonialism, but like, or that type of theme, you know, I think on the podcast, you, you know, we talk a lot, to a lot of people about, you know, the bamboo ceiling, you know, especially working like traditional corporate jobs a week where we come from. You know, I know you guys are just graduate school or starting your first jobs. Like, would you say that you feel this as well at your, you know, whether it's in school or whether in your first job or through your friends, do you guys also have like this idea of bamboo ceiling, you know, in the UK? Yeah, I mean, speaking from my experience in, well, I've only had two jobs so far. So Um, so the first one, it was in a very small fintech startup. And yeah, I was one of two women, the Mm. only person Mm. of color for Mm. a very long time when I was there anyway, (laughs) Um, until I left. And um, now I'm in a much bigger company. Well, not that much bigger, maybe like 300. Um, There's a lot more women, a lot more diverse, but obviously at C-suite level, it's still very male, Mm. white dominated, which is unfortunate. But, you know, we're starting to see women coming in at the leadership levels, um, but it's obviously very, very slow to change. Um, So I think you know, we can be part of that change. Um, Mm. Although obviously it's very hard. Mm. Yeah, I think my experience is slightly different because my company is a Taiwanese tech company and um, it's quite small in the UK because they've quite a lot of branches in Asia. So it feels like um, it's more diverse because there's Mm. quite a lot of, I guess, different types of Asians at work and because I get Mm -hmm. to speak to the people in Taiwan. So it kind of makes it feel 
not so corporate like traditional uh, yeah, like, yeah yeah that makes sense mm. or how about elsa um and lauren your experiences even if it's not within corporate or just um any experiences that you've had in in a worker internship space or maybe even that you've heard mm. through family and friends um i guess for me like i'm hoping after my master's i want to go into the corporate world and obviously this is probably something i will face when i probably get there um but I think in terms of, yeah, just hearing from, I guess, my parents or even just friends. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of similar environment to what Joel described, like the C-suite. Mm. Um, it is a lot, yeah, male-dominated. Um, you hardly ever see women, like, women of colour. And But I, I think, like, a lot of companies now are focusing on, you know, increasing diversity. Um, and there's a, there's a lot, there's an awareness for that, which is quite nice. And how about even just within your um, your graduate program? Do you feel, how is the kind of like um, experience there versus say your undergrad and then your like high school experience in terms of like the mix of, of different types of people? Um, I think for me, I've been quite blessed in the sense that my um, master's program, there's actually a lot of international students. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I'm actually the minority. Um, so yeah like pretty much I would say 80% of my master's program are people from Asia so mm-hmm. um, for me it's quite different to my undergrad and yeah so I guess it's yeah for the first time I'm the mi- like minority in the terms of I'm a local student mm-hmm. and I'm seen as British whereas for everyone else they're like the Asians but even though I am Asian mm. Mm. it's kind of a weird feeling yeah. I don't know how to describe it like I am Asian but they see me as no but you're British Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm still kind of yeah navigating what that means for me Um, but yeah thank you for sharing yeah that's uh, I'm sure for I mean the between the three of us we haven't had like graduate school experience but I would say just from uh, friends and colleagues and stuff um, I can see that that was also a layer of experience that they would have when they went to graduate programs whether it was in law or business oftentimes you get you know exposed to the international landscape and the concept of being uh, for us, Asian American or Asian, like from international or abroad, is very different, um, and mm-hmm. that definitely has a whole different other like cultural component. Um, and mm. I'm interested in Lauren's perspective because you are actually, you, you know, you grew up in the UK and now you're here, um, mm-hmm. finishing up your, or you're here for like a a, a bit for your undergraduate program yes, in for the my US? Exchange, yeah exchange, exchange program yeah. Um, so that's. It's really interesting being here. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come to California because I knew that there were lots of Asians. Mm. Um, And so I got accepted into the University of California. And so you could choose different campuses. And I chose Santa Barbara because Santa Barbara is beautiful and it's by the beach. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, what really surprised me. So I, um, as a preface, I studied geography. And geography is not the most popular subject here, <laughs> I have to say. Everyone's mm. like, what? <laughs> what is that? I didn't even know we had a geography program. And I said, you know what? Actually, Santa Barbara started environmental studies like in the country. Mm. Like, it is really prestigious. And um, it has typically, and I would say still is, pretty white. Not many mm. Asians go into environmental work. Mm. Um, right many different reasons for that probably probably our parents saying like you're gonna never make any money from that Mm -hmm. or things like that you know stereotypes and I was really lucky because my parents have always said to me do what you enjoy do what you love and 
I was always interested in learning about the world and I love culture and I love like people and stuff. So that's why I came here. And then I think coming to California, I didn't realize actually, I could, again, preface, the UC system I understand is particularly very Asian. If I went to a different university or a different college, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure my experience would be different, but it's very diverse in terms of Asians and white people. Like mm-hmm. there, mm. there are so many, and Hispanics as well, but I think it, there, are so, there are so many people from Asia which I finally feel really, I feel really like connected to people people here, although I'm a British Asian woman. I think the Asian American, like there is still something about that, like growing up in a Western society, but you know, right. originally your family are from Asia. So yeah. Yeah. It's, for me, it's really interesting because Jay, I don't know if you remember, but like I remember when we were applying for the UCs, like I don't know if this is, like, a stereotype amongst the Asian community, but Santa Barbara was known as, oh, that's, like, the, quote-unquote, like, the wider call, like, UC, versus, like, Irvine is, like, you know, you're about to, it's, like, very <laughs> All Asian. Asian people, yeah. And San Diego is pretty, like, mixed, but more, there's a lot of Asians there, too, so I, it's interesting for me to hear your perspective now going to UC Santa Barbara, because back then I was, like, oh... No, I, I, I want to go to the Asian colleges. So Yeah, I think it was yeah, definitely the, very different being kind of maybe a local, like growing up within mm, California mm-hmm. and you knew that like Irvine as a city and the community surrounding it was there were a lot of like Asian American people and families where Santa Barbara was known for kind of being more um, like Caucasian. But still, mm-hmm. like Lauren, you shared like within the UC system, though, if you're going to go to a UC college, generally, they have a higher percentage of Asian mm-hmm. people than other mm-hmm. university systems within the U.S. Um, I don't know if that's completely fact, but I know for within California, that was mm. our knowledge. Um, so it's it's really fascinating to hear you talk about, though, how being around different types of Asian has really enhanced your experience. Because I would say that definitely was the case for me as well. And I don't know about mm. you. I mean, Mel, I think, though, you grew up um, within a neighborhood where you were around of a lot of different types of Asian. But for me, I, I didn't. I was kind of mm-hmm. very much of a minority growing up. So going into college and meeting all of these other Asian American like you know mm. western culture and asian mm-hmm. culture and different types of asian culture definitely was like more much more eye opening Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. You know what turned ABG from a podcast into a business? A t-shirt. A t-shirt that our listeners requested so that they could support us, own a piece of ABG, and connect with others they saw wearing the same shirt. And you know what was essential in making that happen? Shopify. 
Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. This podcast started out selling one t-shirt, and today we have 23 products including tote bags, pins, hoodies, hats, and glass cups. Shopify has been with us through each of our eight collection releases and allowed us to gain insights as we grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. Go to shopify.com ABG, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com ABG right now. Shopify.com ABG. Um, So on this like, you know, discussion of like Western and Eastern culture for ABG, we talk about how growing up um, a lot of our influence in terms of like pop culture and media in America came from Hollywood. Um, And we're curious, uh, your lady's experience as British Asian females within the UK, did you pay attention to Hollywood within the US or were you you focused on other media influences? Um, Were there like British Asian females that you looked up to growing up within within entertainment or media? I don't actually remember watching my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, I'm like, what did I watch? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I only remember when I was like super young and I watched like Teletubbies and like stuff like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> don't actually know what that is. Um, but I guess g- growing up, if you say like teenage years, I remember watching a lot of like YouTube and that's mm. when I watched like Wong Fu, right? So that's how I kind of came across you guys because obviously you, you were affiliated affiliated but you, you know kind of in the yeah same connection with them mm-hmm. yeah connections um so yeah and then obviously there's a lot of asian american people on youtube mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that's i'm not sure about hollywood i'm not sure mm. about you mm. three i think for me hollywood when it came to like asian representation it usually came from the u.s mm, um like definitely. there are probably only a handful of brit like british Asians that I can think of even now that are in like Hollywood like yeah even now Mm. um I think for me like well the recent Disney like turning red Mm. um Mm. but I guess that's kind of like Canadian is like Canadian representation Shang-Chi that was a big one I think but all of those are kind of like U.S. kind of Mm. based I think yeah growing Mm. up has always been kind of U.S. um Asian American Mm. that we looked up to just um bouncing off what Joelle said about Teletubbies I think it was really cool when we found out that one of the Teletubbies Poe um was actually like Cantonese what (laughs) Um, oh so yeah yeah like I think just even finding out little things like that was pretty cool (laughs) I did not know that actually so that's really cool yeah i just find it fascinating because like i the reason why we ask this question is that like you know obviously you know we're american we grew up here and so like all the pop culture things we see feels like oh it's part of our social culture pop culture life because it feels american so we're curious like if like you know if in the uk if you guys had like your own version of that or would you guys say also even within the asian american experience in some weird way i don't want to say it's like heavily influenced by the american culture you know what Mm. i mean like even when you watch YouTube, would you say a lot of YouTube creators you watch? Like, Wong Fu is Asian-American, like, American. So, like, did you guys, is there any, like, even British-Asian YouTubers that maybe that you're like, hey, this is something I, like, I looked up to. But if not, I actually think, like, fast forward today, I think it's really great you guys are starting this kind of a podcast because it's good to speak to your experience because if there is a lack of it, people need to hear it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to hear, like, if you guys had that. 
Yeah, I think growing up, I definitely watched a lot more Asian American content because there really wasn't like British Asians like on YouTube. Well, I can't think of any that I watched. Um, So I think we, yeah, we wanted to create that space to start those Mm -hmm. conversations. Like, yeah, we could relate to, you know, Asian American, like their experiences, like from just listening to your podcast, watching Wong Fu, we can relate to those experiences. But I guess there are still slight mm-hmm. differences right. um and yeah that that's probably why we were like why not start a podcast and just create that space and get that conversation going yeah what i was going to say was you know the one person that i can think of is i don't know if you guys know it's bubs bubs oh, beauty yeah. bubs beauty yes she, yeah, yeah she is irish so yeah that's the one person that i can think of that was british asian so she was like one of the ogs mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I think even the notion of British Asian versus Asian American, for, well, mm. from my understanding, Asian and American means like East Asian, whereas mm. Asian in Britain means like South Asian a lot of times, or like oh. that's what people think of when you say Asian, when you say Asian in Britain. <laughs> so yeah. that's like one of the big differences as well. Really? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Of course, because of historical ties as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of this, I do want to like jump into a different topic because like now I'm trying to understand like kind of like the differences and similarities within like the British culture and the American culture. And this is like my one of my favorite topics, social life and dating. I mean, I could go off on this topic. So I really want to understand, you know, from your guys' perspective, what are some major like social milestones growing up in the British culture? Like, for example, I'll give you some American ones. Like for us, like, you know, it's like football games, not like soccer, but like the one with the 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 diamond ball <laughs> and then like prom and homecoming was like a yeah <laughs> prom and homecoming for us is like a big thing like in high school like that was one thing a lot of like people look forward to as part of like their social like kind of like a coming of age type of an event that we always like to attend or like in college there's sororities fraternities so like i'm curious to hear like what are some like major social milestones you guys have within your culture i can't think of any <laughs> mm, i guess like We'll be finishing A-levels. Um, um, yeah, I guess it's based on the exams, which is a bit sad, right? <laughs> like GCSEs and A-levels. We have prom, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, right? it's really, mm. yeah. I no. think it's not really interesting. Yeah, it's not as big, because, but the fact that like most places, like most schools now have prom. So mm. prom you can have, so, GC, so just for American listeners, GCSEs are exams we take um, when we're 16. And that's kind of mm. your, you've completed your basic, like your um, education in the UK. And then you can go do almost, it's like the next step is doing A-levels, which is another two years before university. Mm. And then after A-levels, so that's when you're 18, that's when you go to college. And after that, so you can have, a, so people have proms both when you're 16 and 18, which I mm. guess is kind of similar to your homecoming kind of, but right, it's right. interesting that it came across to the UK. So it's not as big in the UK, but it's still there. So people still look forward to that, I think. And I think driving as well. So I guess, mm. I mean, driving age. So in, in the UK, we can start driving when we're 17. But I, I heard here, which I was like really shocked. People can start driving at like 15, 14, I heard in some states. And I was like, I would not trust a 14 year old in the UK <laughs> to drive a car. But I understand that, you know, people who live in rural areas, they, they genuinely mm. need to get around. But yeah, so that's mm. some things. Wait, you know, you said like the 
sorry, the A test? What was it called? A levels. A level. Is A levels the test score you guys need to get into uni? To uni? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so it's equivalent to our SATs, right? Mm-hmm. Probably similar. I guess yeah. similar. Yeah. I never took mine, but I'm just curious. <laughs> but yeah. Um, driving age for us is, I think, permit. It's like 15, 14. And then, I mean, I didn't get my license until I was 18 because my mom's like, I don't trust you behind the wheel. So I, I don't know. Um, I still don't drive. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, did, did any of you go to uh, any of your proms or your dances at school? <laughs> So funny enough, I went to the GCSE prom, so when we were 16, that was like a big thing. We kind of like dressed up, we went to a nice like manor house and everything. That was quite fun. But then for sixth form, I don't know what happened. A lot of people didn't go. Did you? you Yeah, I went. So we ended up going to the same sixth form. Well, I went to her school, yeah. A-level, 17, 18, yeah. And then we went to, I went to the prom because I didn't go to the prom before or in my old school. And it was just really bad it was it was <laughs> terrible really, really, bad. really? Yeah. yeah yeah and i me my group of friends we didn't go to prom but we went to after prom so we went to the club which uh, i say club but it was like a bar it, it was, was really bad it was awful yeah it, it was bad yeah <laughs> wait question so you guys because for us in high school we call, we call like junior prom and senior prom because like junior is like like mm. first level is like mm. freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So we like in our prom, it's like junior year. And then the, the committee would think of like a, te- a theme, like a night to remember. Like we'll call the prom that. Did you guys not like like theme out your proms? Not for us. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of shaking heads. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because then we always, yeah, we would like get, we would rent out like a hotel. Some people would like get like a boat. Like I had a boat my senior year. Wow. For prom. I want that. Maybe because prom is a huge thing in the American mm. culture though. Yeah. Mm. Within the American culture. Yeah. Which is, mm. you know, big around sports and usually there's, well, maybe not prom, but like homecoming, right? It's like usually there's a big football game involved and um, so you go to the game and then you also have like a dance to celebrate with your friends and stuff. Um, has Did anyone else go to any of their proms or... Yeah, so I went to both my GCSE and A-level prom, and I actually enjoyed it. Um, But I'll probably say, like, in terms of when we were talking about milestones Mm -hmm. in the British culture, compared to, I guess, the American culture, is that we can drink at 18, whereas in America it's 21, right, the legal age. So for us, you know, probably, yeah, once we're 18, that everyone looks forward to 18, whereas I think in America it's like, what, sweet 16 is like a big birthday, but I think for us, 18 is probably the big birthday, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's when you can go to clubs, you can drink, what else can you do at 18? It makes sense to 18, like, I mean, for the drinking age, I think because US is 21, 21s are big, like, yay, you can go to the bars and clubs. But like, I'm sure you do it beforehand anyway, like... No comment. Uh, <laughs> well, people often say, though, that if you like having the earlier drinking age might be better because you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, learn to manage your relationship with alcohol like early. But so mm-hmm. for for you ladies, no, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of eh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, even uh, Jay, let's be real. At 31, I still struggle sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, so do you think that if you had started drinking earlier, like maybe you would like lose interest in it? earlier or something i don't know or maybe there's also yeah. something to for us in the u.s being 21 it coincides with like being like dead smack in the middle of college and so if you if it was illegal for you know a period of time and then you're doing that when you're now in like a new setting moved away and everything um is it like mm-hmm. you know more more space and environment to encourage like like dangerous behavior i don't know <laughs> mm. 
I, I think because the legal age is 18 and that's when most people go off to uni. Mm-hmm. So I guess mm. a tradition is like freshers week. Um, so the first week or first couple of weeks of uni is when people go ham with their drinking. Mm. Um, they're out because, you know, that's probably the first time they've moved away from home. They're legal to drink, illegal to go out. Um, yeah, I think that's that for us is probably something that people look forward to is freshers week. That sounds fun. I can so I can I can speak a bit to actually both experiences um in terms of the college drinking so I was really lucky so when I so I'm 21 so since being here I've been 21 so alcohol and stuff Mm. it's been okay like legally but I was always so confused um because I so I've been to some frat parties here some sorority parties and I was like technically none of you guys should be drinking and the police are still walking around and but as long as you're not seen as drunk, they kind of just look over it. So I think mm. it's really interesting, the law here, because I'm sure in, like <laughs> they know that people are drinking. But then I'm so confused because like, how do you how do you like enforce that? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. And then mm. so I was really confused when I came when I came here and also clubbing. So it's interesting because in the UK we can go clubbing at 18 and so all of us like went out loads in our first year you know as mm-hmm. as Elsa said really went to town but then here this people are in their junior year and then people and everyone starts turned turning 21 so then it's that weird awkward time where it's like can you invite someone but you can't because they're not 21 mm. so then everyone has so I feel like there's a bit of that awkwardness whereas in the UK most people are 18 so just everyone goes out so I feel like it's mm. a bit more inclusive sometimes but yeah I don't know what you um both of you think actually since you yeah. grew up in the US with 21 being the drinking age mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can speak first. I, I, I didn't realize the awkward moment until you pointed it out. Because I could see how when you're 18, like, everyone's on that, like, same level. There's kind of no, mm-hmm. there's no restrictions, which I makes I think it does make things a lot easier. Like, for us, I remember that. Yeah, it was awkward because then when we were 21, we're like, oh, okay, like, either you do, like, a house party where, like, no one's carting you. Or you, like, go out with certain people that have an eye that are 21 and over. So it does limit some people. I don't want to endorse this, but I know sometimes, like people talk a lot about having a fake ID, mm. you know, and I never had one because I, I was like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get, I'm scared. But I know people like had to like, the fake ID talk was something I kind of heard a lot about sometimes in college. I didn't know a lot of people with that, but yeah, it is a little weird. Um, yeah, we had that for, talk in school. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, I'm trying to think what else, like had it, was it weird? Because yeah, I don't know. I, I think because when I went to college, I was a transfer student. So by the time I went in, it was it was like a pretty quick mm. transition into like that life. I will say though, I don't know if I, how do I say this? I think the fact that since 21 is our drinking age, we went to university. Like when I saw like the freshmen or sophomores, the first or second years, there's definitely a lot of people who did not, weren't exposed to alcohol mm. and their relationship with it. Or their, yeah. when they drink, it was like, whoa, like you see a clear, there's a difference in how people handle and like the lack of there's a kind of like a you can just tell them I was like oh you're messed up because this is your first time drinking versus like and then there's people who are more experienced drinkers in a room or a party but I don't know if that's just like a normal thing across the board because some people can handle the alcohol some people can't no I mean yeah I would I went into uh university as like a 17 18 year old so I very and I would echo both Mel and Lauren your points is that realizing the difference if you were to go in and everyone was like already expected that there was going to be drinking involved um and everything then i think it would have been a little 
I don't know. I I think it would it might have been quote unquote better just because like mm. like Lauren you explained like it's happening kind of anyway. And so if the yeah. law doesn't enforce it, then you end up with people who are trying to work their way around it. Versus if you just accept that it's happening and then you learn to, then like, you know, people kind of learn to self-regulate, I guess. But that's a very, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also a very kind of like, um, what is it, laissez-faire, laissez-faire kind of person. Like, let the people kind of, let let it kind of be figured out amongst themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> to not put too much, like, um, restrictions. But yeah, I definitely, like, when I went into school, I was also very, like, followed by the rules and like the mm-hmm. first like two to three years I would go to all the events I because I loved like dancing and I love clubbing but I would just people would drink and I wouldn't drink um but I saw it happening all around me so um yeah but I'm curious like going beyond so you're going out if you're 18 and you might be doing house parties or you might be going out to the clubs like what now now that you're all out of university or close to it what is the nightlife like for a young British Asian woman? Um, None. <laughs> I'm so dead, like, after work. Like, obviously, we have after work drinks and, like, work socials and stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. for me, that's kind of... It, we, haven't, we haven't been out since... Probably because um, co- maybe COVID is, is well, yeah, interfering that as well. with your... Yeah. But mostly it's been work drinks. Work drinks, work, work socials. Drinks, yeah. Which is fun as well. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I feel like... I'm. I'm curious because, like, when I when we started, like, for us, like, the progression that I'm seeing now is, like, in college, like, clubbing scene. Like, college to, like, maybe mid-20s, clubbing was a big thing. Like, wearing, like, you know, those short skirts and, like, the high heels and, like, going to the clubs and, like, dancing and, like, talking to boys. Versus now it's, like, going to a lounge, like, going to a bar. It feels more casual. Like, would you say it's still, like, like the same for you, for y'all? Or is, like, still clubbing still, like, a big part of the culture? Mm-hmm. Depends who you're with. Yeah, I think because mm. most of my friends are still at university. So, like, when I go to meet them, I would go clubbing. Mm. But then, depending on the age range, you would go to the bar or, mm. yeah, it's kind of weird. Because I guess you wouldn't, because sometimes you see, like, old people, like, older people, <laughs> like, old men at the club. Oh. And it was just really weird. Ooh. So, yeah. I don't know, it depends, I guess, on the person. <laughs> I'm curious, actually, what is the trend? Because, yeah, is there are there, like, trends in, in, like, what people wear now? Or, like, like for example, for us for a while, I mean, I don't know, Mel, do you remember, like, if there were, like, two tops for a while were really in? And then, like, lashes or, or I don't know. Is there any, like, uh, things that's that... that's still in. Like, that's what I wear. <laughs> like, lashes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like lashes weren't as in, say, like, 10 years ago, right? Depends on who you ask. When I was in college... We wore lashes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, when I was in college, the yeah. girls weren't wearing lashes yet. But I'm wondering if there's, like, what is your, like, do you ladies kind of go out and is there, like, a general, like, getting ready routine type thing? and uh, Or are we, like, not into that? <laughs> I think it really does depend on, like, what club you go to. And it depends on also... Um, so in the UK, what region of the UK you're from? So, so, so there is, so there is oh, this kind okay, of stereotype. Okay. So in the north of England, girls love to get dolled up. We're talking mm. like they will wear heels, like proper. They go all out, get their hair done, nails, eyelashes, everything. And then there, are, and sometimes, and it, it just depends. Like in other cities or in London, you can very easily go. Like my clubbing experience, like at university in Manchester, you could go out and train us and that's fine, perfectly acceptable. Mm. But then some in other places in the North, 
everyone has to wear heels. So it's like, it really does depend. I feel very fortunate because I cannot imagine going out <laughs> from like 11 to like four in the morning in heels. That's a no for me. Like my mm. feet would die. So I, I don't know, what about you else? Cause you're from, like you went clubbing in London. Um, if I'm being honest, I haven't been out since before COVID, uh, since, yeah, since COVID. Um, so I'm actually trying to think what it was like. I don't know, do you guys have, do you guys have pre's? Pre-drink. Pre-drink. Oh, yes. Oh, pre-parties. Pre's is the huge thing. Yeah. What do you guys call it? Pre's. pre's. Oh, it's pre's. <laughs> so much okay. better. It makes <laughs> it. <laughs> we call it, we call it pre-gaming. 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 Yes. Pre-gaming. 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 We still, you know, it's funny, we still pre-game, but it's it's, it's, it's now at eight o'clock versus yeah. at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Everything's moved up a couple hours. <laughs> it's, it blows my mind. I remember like the other day, my friend's like, want to meet at 830? I was like, how about dinner? Like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, we pre-game, you know, it's to save money, you know, yeah. <laughs> to get the vibes going. Oh, it's the same for us as well. It's all to save money because yeah. it's so expensive going out. It's so expensive. <laughs> Unless you want to like hustle, which we don't do that anymore. You know, like, hey. (laughs) It's almost summertime and with the change in seasons, it's time to update our wardrobes. When I think of style and fashion, I generally like to keep my clothes pretty classic and simple, whereas it's my accessories that I will switch out quite often and update pretty frequently. For me, eyeglasses are a pretty big part of my style, and recently I've been wearing my Wanda Frames in Blue Clear from Pear Eyewear. Their frames remind me of ones I've had in the past, however, there is one big difference. Pear Eyewear frames allow you to choose different magnetic top frames. So while I ordered blue clear frames, I have a top frame in white and even sunglass top frames in both blue and brown lenses. That's like four pairs of glasses in one. So if you're looking for a great eye frame option that allows you to change up your style, check them out. Base frames start at just $60, including prescription lenses. Get glasses as unique as you are. One pair, infinite style. Starting at just $60, go to paireyewear.com abg for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at paireyewear.com abg. I do want to talk to you guys about dating. Um... Because I want to know how it's like dating in the UK. Um, to be honest, I I watch Love Island. I know that's not <laughs> oh, a good God. example at all. <laughs> I know. And I see, like, Lauren, when you're talking about, like, the different areas, how girls get dolled up. I was like, dang, all these girls on Love Island, like, go all mm. out. It's interesting. And so would you say, like, like, yeah, what's the dating culture like in the UK? I, obviously, like, as an American, I hear your accent. just like, that sounds so attractive. Granted, everyone probably has in acts like you guys talk like to you guys is like the normal thing in in london but is yeah is there any differences you might you think or like i don't even lauren even be in the in the u.s now like do you see like guys approaching you differently than you would in the uk i mean i can i can start <laughs> um so since coming here i didn't realize how many like americans really love the british accent they love they love it <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't i didn't so i when I first came here, like even just getting a Starbucks, people would be very oh. interested to ask me like, oh, where are you from? So anywhere mm. I go, and that's still now. And I mean, I've been here for a while now. And it's very, I think it's very sweet. And it's very nice that people want to like 
get to know me and like they're very genuinely interested in terms of guys like most recently I was talking to someone like I just met them and I could see their eyes almost like glaze over like they were like mesmerized like it was really (laughs) weird like it was the weirdest experience I've ever felt because I was like no one's ever because people are like oh I'm very interested like oh like you're British and everything but it was like different um but I think that also could be because like maybe central California that there aren't as many Mm. like Europeans so if I was in LA if I was in New York you know very busy metropolitan cities it's different you see loads of Brits there but just because there's not many of us, I think, yeah. But at the same time, I still think dating in the, I mean, boys, boys are boys, wherever you are in the world, I've come to realize. <laughs> and uh, since I'm on that thing. Yeah. And since I'm in college, it's like, hmm, college boys. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are college boys like, Lauren? Yeah. <sighs> university boys in the UK are similar to university boys, like college boys here. So, oh okay so I feel like well I always say like you know girls and boys maturity is very different mm. sometimes and you can really see that in college I think I'm lucky but because I'm since I'm a senior now you know boys have started to kind of mature by now and but even then sometimes I'm still mm. like oh gosh I feel like there's an age gap although like I might actually be like younger Mm. Um, they they don't get any better when you're in your 30s by the way That's oh, really yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like oh my god I literally had this vision I was like when they're 30 then be ready to settle mm-hmm. down and blah 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 and I'm just like no they're not I want to know if uh, if you ladies have like is are dating apps a thing in Britain like is that a pretty because in I feel like now in America that's like become kind of the norm way that a lot of single people date and meet people mm-hmm. um, especially uh, just like going out and meeting people is no longer becoming like the most popular way I think dating apps become really popular so how about in Britain are dating apps like a thing there yeah I think yeah a lot of my friends use like they meet people through dating apps and they'll go for coffee or like go for a meal and I guess I don't know I've never used one but I feel like I don't know I feel it'd be really weird for me because I was on my friends like tinder or like Bumble, was it? I, I don't know. What's it called? Bumble Hinge. Bumble Hinge, yeah. And I was just swiping. I'm like, this is so weird. Because it's like based off, I don't know, appearances and mm. what they type and what they write. And obviously it's to attract people. Mm. Right, right. It is yeah, very yeah. pointed and very... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never used one either. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've not used <laughs> online dating apps, but I know it's common amongst like my friends. Mm. To preface, it's just yeah. me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only. I'm the only one. Um, well, you're you're in California. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, even in the UK, I was. I think I was mm. the only one in the UK as well. Also, I mean, <laughs> so Joelle, Phoebe, and Elsa are all in relationships, and I'm now the only single one. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why so they're that's very quiet the, when it comes to the dating question quiet, yes. because they've already found. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they've Ooh. they've all found their prince charmings. <laughs> okay, we could. Con- I was gonna be like, we could have this convo offline because Lauren, let me know your type. Maybe I could. Like, I have cousins. <laughs> I have a brother who has friends. I He's you. taken. But you know, we could we could continue this convo offline. Um, but I do want to move on to like kind of this like interesting I, for me. I think it'd be kind of interesting to hear like the uh, like assumptions that we have on each other others like I guess like experience and culture because I feel like obviously like. 
whether like you want to say you're influenced by watching like shows or whatnot that we might just kind of assume or make these judgments and I want to see if they're correct or they're incorrect so for example I have like we have a few that these are not just like I don't think these are true but like maybe the general population might think this about the British experience and I'd love to hear the reality based on your guys perspective so this is like our assumptions category or section for this episode so we'll go off the Americans will go first if that's okay um so for example I feel like I hear a lot that like the British people do not like Americans. <laughs> Are we Generally. supposed to react? <laughs> how, how do we say this honestly? I'm <laughs> Yeah, no, be honest. There will be no, yeah, be no offense taken. Yeah. It could be just also things that you guys hear through your friends or like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, um, I would say that it's just when we're not as interested in you as you guys are in us, <laughs> which sounds really, which sounds really like harsh, but I think it is. Europeans like, I think a lot of the Americans is like, oh, we want to like hear your story. Like, oh, you're interesting. You're from Europe. Everyone mm. in Europe is like, okay, cool. You're American. Like, mm. it's like, it's not, I don't know why, but I've noticed that here. Like people who are very interested in Europeans. That is mm. a very interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of nodding. Mm-hmm. This is like a tag along assumption now that I'm like, we're, t- we're talking about this, but I always like, I, I, I don't know why I also assume that like British people think like Americans are a little bit maybe more trashy. Or more problematic, maybe? I think UK people, British people think we're not as bad as Americans in certain things. Mm. Yeah, like, I don't know, we're not as, like, racist or we're not as, you know, mm. bad, like, politically. Mm. But actually, we're just as bad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Next assumption, um, that British people are posh and classy. No way. <laughs> no. <laughs> interesting because especially after like lauren you're saying you get a lot you approached a lot based on your accent right but yeah i'm curious as what the thinking behind of of uh why you think that british people are not necessarily posh and classy so just like a preface i have a received pronunciation accent which is rp which in the uk is mainly people from london or from the south and this is the kind of accent you hear on the tv um like the queen's it's, it's queen, yeah it's it, like colloquially termed as queen's english i don't know where this kind of accent oh. came from i just my parents don't my dad has a bit of an rp accent but i've kind of just grown up with it so i have it's very so people will call it posh so there's oh. that but, so i speak very i speak very well in quote marks um but that's not, I mean, for example, I think if you can hear the difference between all of us, we all sound very different, although we're from the same part of London. We're all from North mm-hmm. West London. So I think people mm-hmm. also get the British classy thing because you watch things like Downton Abbey or other things. But I think mm-hmm. now, now it's, I mean, like Bridgerton, mm-hmm. but it's different because like Love Island, you have people from all over the UK with like mm-hmm. Northern accents and yeah, it's different. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, no, I agree with what Lauren said. It really depends on where you're from. So even for us, like within London, we can tell where people are from, like which Mm. part of London Mm. they're from. Um, And there's, I think there's some sort of north-south divide even within London. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's just kind of my experience. And I guess, Mm. yeah, I don't think, I wouldn't say all, like everyone is posh and classy. It's a very big sweeping statement when you say British accent because it's, Mm. like Elsa was saying even within London like you can tell that I speak differently to Lauren I went to uni in the southwest so I've kind of picked up some like tones some accents it's kind of weird 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'll say things like, I in Bath, they say like bath and grass yeah. instead of like grass. Mm. So I sometimes like came out with like bath and I was like, oh, oh God, what did I say? <laughs> ah. So yeah, this is very regional. Mm. This is so interesting to me. Just to, now when I'm like paying attention to when you guys are speaking, I'm like, I'm trying to like, I pick up on the different like tones and the ways you guys say words. All right. So our last assumption is that the British people love their tea time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like a good yeah, cup I'll of tea. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A cup of tea and a biscuit. That's like classic. Anytime. Wait, wait. Okay, mm. this is this might be a make or break. How, how do you make your tea? Oh, yeah. I've seen this on oh. TikTok. <laughs> how do you make your tea? Wait. Is there <laughs> a difference? How do Americans make their tea? No. I don't know. Wait, they don't have kettles. No, wait. Yeah, that too. They, they do have kettles, but not. I've just seen. I've seen someone put like water in a microwave, and I thought it was yeah, the worst I'm thing I've so ever on seen. <laughs> I was oh, like, I'm that's not. so wrong. It's so wrong. I'm sorry. I can't stand for it. Yeah, yeah the best way you did it. You do that. Huh? I know. I but I'm also like I cook everything in the microwave, so okay, it's not because enough. of the tea thing. <laughs> but if there's a kettle invo- like available, yeah, I will. But I I do use a lot of just like pre-made like tea bags. Tea bags. Yeah. Oh, we wrong? use tea bags. As in, like the order. Okay. Let me let me let me say my order really quickly, and then let me know if it's wrong. So I do have like the water heater, like the thing you turn, you heat up the water in. We have a fancy kettle now because my my, my roommates drink coffee and whatever. So we I heat up the water, and I have my tea bag from Trader Joe's in a cup, and then I might drizzle honey in it, and then I pour mm. the hot water, and then I mix it. Is that wrong? Wait, this is like herbal tea or like British tea, like yeah. English mm. tea. What what type of tea are you having? All my teas, I do it the same. So you don't add milk? Um, If I'm doing like chai, I might add like almond milk. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of disapproval. <laughs> Wait, so how do, what's, the, what's the proper way to drink tea? It's not... It's no, not... that's for like herbal tea. Like that's how you would make herbal tea, right? I th- So this is a thing, right? So I can, I can translate, right? Because this is something I also know. <laughs> so when we say a cup of tea... Everyone automatically assumes just black tea. So black tea, which we tr- we normally have with milk, maybe sugar. And then here, and the, but obviously we have herbal teas and stuff. But when you say, oh, I'm having a cup of tea, people assume just the black tea. Here, people have, obviously, you, as you were saying, Mel, herbal teas, chai, so many other things. So you're much mm. more specific, like, oh, I'm going to have like a chamomile. I'm going to have this. Mm. Whereas when, when we just say a, a bog standard cup of tea, it's like... English breakfast. English yeah. breakfast. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. It's one of those. Um, but yeah, we always have mm. to have milk. Milk in it. And maybe sugar. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it might be kind of like the way that in America we treat having like a cup of coffee. Because there's always exactly, just a standard yeah. black coffee and then you add add a little bit of sugar and add a little mm. bit of cream. This is so interesting. Also, mm. Mel, I love how you call it a water boiler. We just call yeah, like a kettle. Everything's yeah. just a kettle. But a water boiler, I've, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> so funny. Like, <laughs> I may be saying it wrong. Is it, what is it called, Jay? It's like the you know the thing on my counter? It's a kettle. It's a kettle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. okay. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> I just picture this big ass boiling room now. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's now let's turn the tables. Are there any assumptions that you feel like within Britain they have um, around the American experience? And then Mel and I can kind of help answer. <laughs> I'm so interested in this part. I'm so curious. 
So I'm thinking that everything's like in the movies. Very big, dramatic, sorority parties, homecoming, yeah. Um, I think it depends. Like, for example, like the proms, it depends on how much funding the school gets. Mm. Because if they don't have that much funding, like, for example, my junior prom was in my gym. Nice. And then my senior ball was on a boat. So I think it depends Mm. on, like, the funding and things. Um, Dramatic? I don't know. I think it depends. Like, what's an example of dramatic? I don't know, like, very extra. I don't know if I'm Mm. slipping into slang here, but, like, very extra, very, like... Over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I I think compared to probably other countries, just from, and once again, me from not necessarily living, but just traveling, um, I think it's kind of similar to what you ladies shared about. Maybe it's more around the coastal areas. So within like LA and California, different different metropolitan areas, I I can see it definitely is. There are parts of the way it's portrayed in shows and movies that are accurate among certain circles. But then if you go into like, you know, other parts of California, it's probably very... It's not that way. But I would say, yeah, like some of the things like prom or that kind of how big and over the, to- the over the top, you know, compared to like everyday life people go for certain things. That's pretty accurate. Um, maybe some of the things that you see in reality TV, uh, I think I kind of like, unfortunately, when I go and walk around LA sometimes and I'm grabbing like a matcha or a mm. coffee, like uh, you will, you'll hear conversations and they're really talking that way. <laughs> And it might be about just like, oh my God, this person in the cab or something like that, you know? So I'd say there's some truth to it, probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm also curious, I feel Lauren, when I think about like sorority parties, you probably mm. like encountered some. You're like, oh, this is not what you expected, huh? Or is it what you expected? So I was so excited because I was like, I finally get to see like, is it like the movies? And like some of it is like with the red solo cups and everything. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, this, yeah. is, this is like a movie, but it's... It's really interesting because I think what you see in the movies and stuff, like we imagine that to be like the whole of America, like everywhere. (laughs) It's like that, very like Mm. outgoing, extroverted people. Um, But like, I'm sure, I think what you were saying, Janet, like it's true. Like it really does depend on where you're from and it depends on your college experience because you can engage with it whether you want to. Like Mm. it's not Mm. everywhere. I think there's this assumption that like, US co- like college like that's everywhere that's everything but actually the number of people who are in like fraternities and sororities is actually pretty small like right. in terms mm-hmm. of the- mm-hmm. so that was like I was like oh interesting mm. okay my my assumption is that the food portions are massive that is correct, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> unfortunately yeah definitely from traveling I remember when I went to like um like France and like Italy the portions are like a third of what you would get at like an American restaurant yeah. but then it's like perfect but yeah it is very true and there's all all of these like fast food places they all go off of like m- getting more food for like less money so that is definitely mm-hmm. I think a very big American thing mm-hmm. oh yeah there's sometimes I think we go out to eat and then like I order like whether it's like breakfast or like whatever I I'm, I'm done eating I look down I'm just like I barely touch this barely and I have leftovers yeah. for a whole week yeah so <sighs> I agree I think the American portion is like kind of ridiculous in my opinion but it, it could feed you for a week if you're by yourself. <laughs> that is true. That's an interesting uh, perspective. Is, is London different? Like, is it, more, is it more smaller? I mean, in the UK? Lauren? I don't know. Uh, portion sizes are a lot small, smaller here, like in the UK. Mm. I think that's what I noticed. Like, you, like, prices are more expensive, but then you get so much more food sometimes. Mm. Like, it depends. I guess it also depends on the restaurant. But for me, like, my, like, kind of leading on, like, my assumption was that, like, every, there's a fast food place on every corner Mm. (laughs) 
and I don't know whether I guess as you were saying like depends on the area but I feel like you guys have like so many different types of fast food like that is true listening, that is like, true you have so many that we don't have in the UK hmm. yeah do, do you so, guys have like KFC yeah, yeah. it started oh, in Kentucky like we... Joel yeah. oh yeah <laughs> 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 the, the, the crazy thing in the u.s we have kfc we have popeyes we have like mm. different variations of fried chicken um what do you guys not have, like for example like what are some fast food joints that you're like oh that even you lauren when you said there's different mm-hmm. types like what what did what do you guys not have there in and chick-fil-a chick-fil-a oh my goodness i'm gonna say this now anyone listening does anyone have any connections to getting chick-fil-a in the uk because chick-fil-a <laughs> is the best fast food I love it so much. Like, it's great. So we need that in the UK. We don't have it. Mm. Um, recently, Wendy's opened. Mm. Popeye's opened as well. Really? Yeah. It's in... Yeah. Where is it? Taco, Taco Bell? Yeah, we Just do. opened as well. Taco Bell's opened. Oh, just opened? Oh, yeah. my gosh. How about, like... Um, I'm trying to think what else that we... I mean, McDonald's is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have Jack in the Box. And, um, like... So, for example, like, you have so many of these other ones that, like, no like, oh in and out in and out mm. in and that's out. a west coast oh, thing for sure yeah. that's a west in coast thing but then there's also like the the next tier which is like your paneras and your chipotles and so it's like a little bit like a little bit more elevated than fast food but not quite sit down nando's yeah <laughs> nando's oh nando's. yes cheeky nando's oh nan nando's, nando's is pretty popular there we don't have it here i think oh, okay it's more like yeah it's funny because in I saw that when people like go to UK, they go to Nando's first. Mm-hmm. Like it's on their list that they have to try. Like, like Jay, when AJ and Alyssa went to um, UK with their family, I saw that they mm-hmm. was a pair. They wanted had to get Nando's right away. But I also hear it. They talk about it on um, Love Island. <laughs> oh, that's a thing. Because they're like, "How would you like your Nando's?" I'm like, "Oh, is that a thing?" Like I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Is it lemon and herb. Yeah, no, yeah. no, garlic and herb. No, lemon and herb. <laughs> lemon and mm-hmm. herb. Yeah. Lemon and herb. Medium. That's what we ask people, like, oh, how do you like your Wingstop? What kind of wings do you like? <gasps> oh, oh, I went to Wingstop to last week for the first time. Mm. Oh, you, oh, so it just mm. so opened in the, opened there? No, it's just never one. Yeah, but there was always such a long queue, so I never went. Mm, interesting. But yes, Lauren, you're right. We do pretty much have a fast food joint every corner. Um, I keep, I'm always on TikTok now, but like, because Coachella's on in America, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So I've seen like a lot of comparisons of how, Americans go to festivals how British people go to festivals so I was like wondering what your ex- difference yeah Jan and I had never been to a festival I, be- I did go to 88 Rising and Ooh. I will say uh, it is very interesting to see the, the fashion nowadays mm. so I don't but I guess like uh, what what is your um, like what's the difference like what how do they how do people go to festivals in the UK like what is it <laughs> um it's mostly like mosh pits which is like people stamping all over each other and mm. beer chucked everywhere a lot of drugs um mm. yeah it's quite gross <laughs> <laughs> it is quite fun and it's interesting because i feel like in the u.s like for example like coachella it's like a fashion event like i think mm. people go there for photo ops yeah mm. yeah mm. like everyone has a photo from the ferris wheel like i think even like mosh pits i heard of but it, for us it's only on certain concerts that are like more maybe like rock or more like mm. that type of genre versus the u.s like, i think i like festivals are all kinds like it's like mm. r&b hip-hop edm and stuff but a, i think a common theme i'm seeing within all the festivals is like 
the fashion they're wearing now. It's like kind of like raver slash bohemian chic mm. slash let me show as much skin as I can. <laughs> Yeah. And like sparkles on their face. I'm just like, whoa, that was very interesting. Yeah. It becomes very um, like decorative and like costume like. Mm, um, yeah. But I do, I feel like I also hear like the, like people do go to festivals to do, do drugs. And like that is, that type of like going there to escape and have that exper- enhanced experience is also kind of a thing in America. Mm-hmm. Uncertain for certain uh, festivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too because like for example like Coachella, like when I used to work corporate for fashion, like. You know, it's like, we're like, oh, we should have a party and invite all the influencers. Like, we knew that was, like, a part of, like, the experience of, like, an event like Coachella where Mm -hmm. it it becomes, like, a branded, a brand play for a lot of brands, you know? Like, come to our tent and take photos here and, like, you know, like, whatever. So, I think it's just kind of, like, it's really interesting how that's, like, social media becomes a big component Mm -hmm. of these festivals now. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because I I don't know leading on to maybe like another assumption um, mm-hmm. about like okay Asian American women. So I've heard a lot about the the <laughs> ABG as in like the Asian baby girl kind of like like you know as yeah. you were saying like the ones that like go to festivals have balayage hair like fake eyelashes that kind of that whole like. I mean, I've met a couple, but I did actually, I think, but I didn't, I'm not sure how like big, how many mm. like ABG, cause we see that a lot in like subtle Asian traits, that kind of stuff. And mm. like, like, I think as a British person, like understanding that is very different because we don't really have like, mm. I don't want to say like type of person, but we, we, we haven't like classed mm. a type of person. Whereas I feel like, in the Asian community, you've classed like an ABG, and it's funny because like, oh, like yeah, because ABG can mean so many different things, like Asian baby girl, <laughs> Asian boss girl, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think what's interesting is the way that when you describe it, it is kind of in how they dress, and I think it, mm-hmm. some of it is kind of um, maybe within America, a lot of the clothing and a lot of um, of the trends that you follow kind of classify you as that like archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's definitely like. Um, the ABG archetype definitely exists in mm-hmm. in America, and I think it's still, um, you know, it's it's been around for probably since. I mean, from my knowledge, from like the '90s, and there is still to today. I think the evolution of what an ABG is, and probably there's like multiple definitions of an ABG. But that, but that particular image of someone who's going to festivals and getting mm-hmm. dressed up, and the you know the balayage hair and the lashes. I think there's definitely that apply. I don't know. What yeah. would you say, Mel? It's actually interesting because I was having a conversation with one of my friends back in Northern California. So I'm from NorCal, which is North, you know, North versus NorCal versus SoCal. I'm from the Bay Area. And so I'm really close to San Jose. In San Jose, there's a lot of like Asian American females there. And like my friend was like, Mel, I actually think the ABG culture came from the Vietnamese mm. coffee shop culture. Mm. So. And so, like, for, for example, San Jose has a large Vietnamese-American population. And so there's also the coffee shop culture where girls are a little bit more, they, they wear the eyelashes, get their nails, and they're, like, dressed more, you know, you know, a little bit sexy. And so, like, they'll serve coffee. And, like, that comes from that type of culture. And then even when I think about import models, like, that was a big thing for us in high school. Like, girls would dress kind of like, like, think of Tokyo Drift, like, you know, Fast Furious, that type of vibe. Mm. The girls would wear, like, you know nothing or like really minimal clothing and they pose with cars and I feel like there is it kind of comes from that type of like look and feel Mm -hmm. and now we see it kind of 
there's a range of it now, you know. I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of some of my girlfriends feel more like an ABG. Like they're the types that get their the long clackety nails that I don't I don't understand, <laughs> and like their lashes are very. Cause I wear falsies, but you see the different types of falsies, and you're just like, damn, that's long. Um, so like there's there's a range for sure, but like I think sometimes even now, like in LA, like I don't think this is a, I don't want I don't know if this is my own assumption about certain girls, but like even going to like arena, which is like a K town club, and people get like. Like, people wear, like, short shorts and, like, tube tops and, like, twerking stuff. You're like, oh, the ABGs go there. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like mm-hmm. there is a certain, like, social culture that's mm-hmm. associated with certain, like, I guess, like, lifestyle or, or, like, nightlife culture. But it is true. There is – it's weird that, like, we get – we, like, architect these certain types. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to hear where it's coming from. So, like, my friend thinks it's from the coffee shop culture or, like, mm-hmm. for me, maybe the import model culture. Thank you, ladies, for sharing your assumptions of the American culture. I'm sure there could be a lot more. So if any of our listeners have some, you know, share them in the comments and we can have Mm -hmm. like a discussion about this. Um, But to close us out today, uh, I would love to hear from each of you um, what you hope to share with our audience about the Asian British experience. Um, And then kind of a a tag on to that is, um, is there a goal or what would you say is kind of your goal for the Spill the Cha podcast? Um, so what I hope to share about the British Asian experience as a woman, I think, yes, it's very similar. If, if we're just talking about the Asian American experience here, that I think it's very similar, but I think as Lauren said earlier, there's also many very specific differences. And I think as we have discussed, you know, being a voice for your own experience is very important. Like, you know, Mm. if you see a gap, fill it (laughs) even within your own friends or you know I mean not everyone might have other people from East Asian culture if you are Mm. East Asian um so yeah I think just kind of own your voice (laughs) that's that's what I think is a main theme through this conversation I would say that I'd want to tell people about the Asian British experience that you know we all come from very different backgrounds And our experiences are all very unique. But at the same time, if you're looking for a community, there are now spaces that you can find definitely online, whether you're in America or whether you're in the UK. And I think it's finally time for us to, you know, start sharing our own stories. And as Joelle was saying, our voices, um, because they are important. And when we started the podcast, we were like, oh, maybe people aren't going to want to listen to us or they're not going to be interested. But I mean, look where we are now. I think we've really been able to like foster a community. And I think that's kind of my goal for the podcast. Mm. Um, I think all of us were saying that, you know, our main aim has been to foster like a supportive environment for people to feel like they're being heard and being seen as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's just from my perspective. And also tagging onto that, like we've also discovered so many other British Asian podcast mm, yeah. as well mm. um you know you can see who we're following kind of thing uh, on Instagram um you know there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of media organizations popping up as well so yeah there, there is a space out there like you said Lauren mm. and I think yeah just following on to what Lauren said like don't feel like you need to fit into either being Asian or being British like being an Asian British or like 
an Asian American, like that's the that's, that's an identity in itself. Mm. Don't feel like mm. you need to fit into either or. Um, and yeah, just I think even just um, listening is a big one. Like hearing other stories and just learning more about maybe their upbringing, like what makes that like what makes them them, like their culture, the way that they've been brought up. Um, mm-hmm. As like a British Asian. I think even just listening to like your friends who might be British Asian. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective, how you started the podcast and just like what your goals are for, you know, with yourself and with First Fill the Cha. Um, for our listeners, where can they find you? So they can find us on Instagram um, at spillthecha.pod and all major pl- uh, podcasting platforms and also on YouTube. So just type in Spill the Cha on YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Thank you, Lauren, Elsa, Joel, and Phoebe for joining us for this episode and being our first like podcast group that we have on. We had on the podcast, right? Is that is that right, Jay? Yeah, our first, our first, um, I guess, co-op. like episode. Yeah, co-op I guess, <laughs> with uh, with another podcast episode of Asian Women. Yes. So if you all enjoy this episode and enjoy this conversation with the ladies, please give them a follow and a listen and leave a a cup of tea emoji in our Instagram (laughs) post for this episode. I've learned that I have a, I've been saying the boiler thing wrong. So yes, enjoy this episode, please leave a tea emoji and, and please check them out. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonate with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. If you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called GRBG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is asianbossgirl. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye! Bye.